Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. So uh, I'm going to kick things off here. I was really intrigued, Bill, with your column yesterday uh, about what you're calling Biden derangement syndrome. And you're, you, you're giving a bit of a, of a self-disclosure here that, that you're suffering from this. What is it and how does well, it manifest itself? You know, the Trump derangement syndrome was we all made fun of it where everything the former president did was heinous and uh, all of that. And, and so the people who uh, hated him had that syndrome. Well, I find myself developing the same thing. There's no vaccine for it. And I think that we had to work on that back with Biden because he's driving me nuts. Um, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I see him on television. I start to I start to yodel ah, like this. Um, the latest, of course, was that uh, he handled the document thing perfectly mm. when the New York Times, certainly a sympathetic uh, media to the Democrats, said that he and his crew actively tried to cover this um, for the midterms and on and extended onward. Uh, but no, Biden, you know, look, hey, uh, we did. I don't have any regrets. That's ridiculous. And then Friday, the latest border statistics, 250,000 plus encounters in December, up 240 percent from December 21. That's just an astronomical figure. And the Border Patrol also announced that 1.2 million people have gotten completely away since Biden was inaugurated. I mean, these, these are numbers that are tragic numbers. And people are suffering. People are getting hurt. Uh, the migrants themselves, the narcotics traffic. And where's Biden on it? You know what Biden did today, Laura? You know what he did today? Tell me. Nothing. Mm. Got nothing on his schedule. He showed up at the White House at 1040. Mm. That's a good job. Hey, I'll be in at 1040 and I'll leave around 330. So do you think that others will catch this like as they did with Trump? Everyone's hair was on fire all the time. Do you think that people are going to get sick of Biden? And it's sort of like being with a spouse that you're sick of, even the way they chew, the way they breathe. Everything drives you nuts. Do you think that's going to happen with this guy? Yeah, if you look at the polling, it's already happened. So, I mean, he can't get um, a job approval number over 42 percent. But for me as a journalist— I don't want to have Biden derangement syndrome. That's not going to help me. No. Look at the guy and analyze him in a fair way. Mm, so yes. you feel that you can't be objective necessarily. Well, it's not somebody I don't have to be objective as an analyst. Yeah. All right. If I were a hard news reporter, I'd have to be. But as an analyst, yeah. I can have my point of view and, and do it. But I've always been fair, which is why. I've been very successful in this career mm-hmm. of analyzing news. Mm-hmm. But for now, when I see him, 
I, my, my fist clenches. Mm. You know, I believe he's hurting the country to an extent that is dangerous. And yep. so I'm fighting it. I'm fighting the derangement syndrome. I wish there were a vax. Hey, hey, Bill, this is Pete King. We have Andrew Garbarino here, and he's on the Homeland Security Committee. When you mentioned border security, his eyes popped right out. So, Andrew, what's what's happening? Well, you, you, you're absolutely right, uh, Bill. It's You had my Secretary Mayorkas last week say things are getting better, uh, and, and he didn't provide any numbers whatsoever. But the last numbers that we have from uh, Border Patrol, November, they hit records on gotaways, like you said. They hit records on encounters, and they hit record on, on the amount of fentanyl being seized at the border. So I don't know what uh, the secretary is talking about when he says things are getting better. And, and they, they, they keep doubling down on the bad policies down there. Uh, and there's uh, even with a Republican majority now in the House, it seems like the, uh, the White House doesn't want to, uh, to move at all. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like there's a breaking point here. And that's what disturbs me. Usually there's a breaking point. But Biden is so disengaged from this. And I thought the breaking point might might have been last week when I had those three little girls and I ran this tape. Uh, it went viral all over the world from El Salvador, nine, seven and 18 months. And there they are in the banks of the Rio Grande River on the Mexican side. The Mexican authorities rescued them. No adult in sight. Nobody knows who they are. They're crying. And I and I thought I ran that tape and I said, this has got to Stop. Something has to happen. But Biden will not engage. That's what that's what really roils me. He doesn't go on television. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't hold press conferences. He shows up at work at 1040. He does nothing all day because he has to put out an official schedule. There's nothing on it. And I'm sitting here going, how much of this can the country absorb? We've got two more years of this guy. He's not going to run again. That's a bunch of bull put out by the Democratic Party because they don't want to admit it's such a disaster. Well, I think the jig is up. You're right. Yeah, he he just can't. He can't. I mean, the Republicans, they're going to just wipe him out in the next eight months with these committees. Where do you see what comes out of this? Um, Andrew is nodding again. (laughs) Well, that's, our, that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Bill, you know this. I mean, our job right now as a Republican House is part of our job is oversight. There has been no oversight over this administration under Democratic control uh, under Speaker Pelosi over the last few years. And now we have Republican control under Speaker McCarthy. And our job, uh, part of our job is is oversight. And that is something we're but going to be I focusing have, on heavily. I have the $64 billion question for you. The question is, we all live in New York. And if the de- if, if, if Chuck Schumer, who is the b- big boss, wants to help New York, and Hakeem Jeffries wants to help New York, will the New York Congress people vote with them to, to help New York? Except, you know, if they, they if they want to help Iran as a quid pro quo, I can understand you voting against it. What say you? Well. You know, as as for New York uh, Republicans helping uh, passing laws that help New York, uh, we've already done that, and I think we'll continue to do that. You know, I think six Republicans voted for the infrastructure bill uh, last year because it heavily invested in New York infrastructure. So I, th- I think that if it's good for New York, that's what we're there for. We're there for our constituents, and those are all New Yorkers. So we're going to continue to do it. But uh, I want to go back to what Bill was saying about what Biden's doing. They're just they're they're doubling down. I don't know if you saw the CNN report. 
this morning where Biden is not looking and the administration, they're not looking to negotiate and work with Republicans. They're looking to uh, pick off 18 Republicans that serve in Biden districts and, and bully them and, and, and shame them into supporting their policies. So instead of coming to the to the table and willing, being willing to negotiate and, and work towards things forward, they're trying to pick off members. It's it's it, it's they're double doubling down on on bad policies. Hmm. So I wonder if there's an element uh, on both sides that have derangement syndrome about the other side that makes bipartisanship really difficult. And, you know, I think about Long Island, which is, you know, it's a very purple place, not extreme. And I I would imagine it would put congresspeople of any party in a difficult position to try to navigate this. I think Long Island is a very good template for what the country should be. Yeah. So, um you know, you obviously have an enormous crime problem in New York City that extends to New York State. And you obviously have a, a governor who's soft on crime, hopeful. There's no doubt about it. There's no two sides to the story. That's the fact. So Long Islanders who might have voted Democrat did not mm. because of that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the high taxes that never end. Yeah, Bill, you're right. There's far more Democrats than uh, Republicans on Long Island, yet we took all four uh, congressional yeah, seats. they and, responded to right. a policy of insanity by letting these dangerous people out on the streets and not prosecuting right. crimes. Right. So and New it Yorkers hurts. put their ideology and party affiliations aside and said no. And. That should be the template for the rest of the country. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And the Senate Democrats, the New York State Senate Democrats, you talk about Hochul being soft on crime. They're even worse. She tried to appoint a former prosecutor as chief judge this week, and the Senate Democrats are voted the, voted him down in committee because they don't want another former prosecutor on the Court of Appeals, the highest court uh, in the state. And, and the, so, again, they didn't see anything. Republicans did very well with our tough on crime message uh, this year, we won a lot of seats on Long Island and, and in upstate New York, but they uh, they just dub- they're doubling well, down again on bad policies. And Democrats are going to lose that harder. Ho- that whole thing on Judge LaSalle, or, or, I know I'm not pronouncing it right. You are is going to be a big problem for New York. It's going to decide if New York is going to go the way of common sense or socialism. There'll be no check. It's Richard Weinberg. There will be no check on a runaway legislature, which is controlled by the left wing, for unconstitutional legislation that they push through, unless you have a no, court of no, appeals on its court. There's a substantial difference between liberals, which have some common sense. Exactly. I, I ran as a liberal. And, I'm talking and, about the and, crazy and, and left. Substantial Trump. from, I would say, just plain old socialists. What say you, Bill? Well, I'm a kind of guy that looks at things in a more simple way. And if you have a strong leader, whether it's a president or a governor or a mayor, mm. that sets a tone mm. that you can override the kooks. Yes. All right. You can marginalize them. You can steamroll them. You can do a lot of things. Hogel signed this insane bail law that's led to thousands of people dying. She's, her signature is on the bill. She's responsible. She knows these loons up there in Albany, what they're capable of, but she's got no mechanism to control them. She is a weak leader, weak and incompetent, in my opinion, as well, to boot. Same thing with Biden. 
He's weak and incompetent. Tonight I do something on common sense. Oh, you, well, Bill O'Reilly's on 9 o'clock every night, on Monday through Friday on WABCradio.com or BillOReilly.com or 770 on your dial in the, well, the whole East Coast because it's darkness out there. Yeah, and uh, we're happy to be on WABC because it is a powerhouse station. But Klain, the chief of staff for Biden, resigned hmm. uh, over the weekend. And everybody's going, oh, it's probably because of the documents and it's this and it's that. It's none of that. Klain resigned because he wants to make some money. And he knows that if he stays much longer, it's going to turn south for Biden and his lecture fees are going to be way down. That's why he's leaving. But Klain wasn't controlling Biden anyway. And this is what I talk about on Common Sense tonight. Susan Rice is calling all of the shots now, all of the domestic policy shots for this country. And that's wow. Obama's all person. That's Obama's person, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that's Obama, that's. President Obama is still in charge. You know, I can't say that with certainty because I don't know. But I ran down Rice's resume, and it's as far left progressive as you can get. You can't get any further left than Susan Rice. And she worked for Obama, as you know, the ambassador of the United Nations. Every progressive tenet, she's behind it. And she is the Biden whisperer. Never see her. She used to do a lot of media. Never does it anymore. But Klain got aced out by her. Klain is a much more practical guy and knows this is a disaster. But she beat him. And I think she probably beat him. Because she has the Obamas behind her. Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, if you want more, 9 o'clock. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bill. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We have now with us Wellington Chen, who is executive director of the Chinatown Partnership. Mr. Chen, welcome. Thank you. I understand. We like Tell us all these things. Well, Happy New Year, first of all. Thank uh, you so much. And, yes. and uh, there's so many things happening in uh, your area, Chinatown, and things happened in California. Uh, tell us, how are the Asian people, how are the Chinese people feeling about everything I, that's going on? I, I think uh, we are tremendously saddened, and I think we're shaken. Uh, obviously, uh, even though it's thousands of miles away, the world is a very small, integrated place now. So what happens on one end of the coast uh, surely sends a, a signal, a ripple effect to uh, the side of the ocean. So are you hearing from folks in New York after what happened with that horrible shooting in California, is there is I mean, there has been a heightened sense of alarm and a heightened sense of fear in the community because of anti-Asian crime that's happened over the past couple of years. Does this heighten that sense of fear in the community? I, I think that it obviously it has some uh, bearing and some uh, influence on it. And I have to thank the NYPD and the law enforcement for beefing up security. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had the Lunar New Year firecracker. Mm -hmm. And coming out of the deserted Sunday uh, western side of Chinatown, I was immediately seeing that uh, a group of officers on Sunday morning on, on extra duty patrol, that they were normally not there. So I had to thank them for coming out on weekends and uh, to, uh, to increase the, 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 
our sense of security and our vulnerability as well. Now, there's been a lot of news recently coming out of China. Um, the population uh, is, you know, the birth rates going down, COVID, the ending of COVID restrictions is causing a lot of chaos and harm and death. And uh, we're seeing, you know, problems with the economy as well. So it almost seems like in a couple of weeks, the stature of China has really fallen. And is, is that something that the folks that you talk to every day are concerned about or thinking about, or are they really just focused on, on, on their home in America and their communities here? I think they're focused right now. I think after being um, uh, locked down and cooped up for the last three years, yeah. I think the sense yesterday from the massive turnout, I had to thank everyone, especially the non-Asians that came down to Chinatown mm. to help support the community, is that there's a sense of, uh, you know, uh, solidarity as well as a sense that life goes on and you have to uh, think so uh, China's are even further further away many more miles away than 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 California so I uh, from the turnout yesterday I think uh, the focus was on the local uh, situation uh, well, Wellington uh, I was talking to a Chinese friend of mine and I worked with her on uh, pandas when we were going to bring pandas to New York and she right. said to me, even though it's the same dates between Lunar New Year and Chinese New Year, there are some differences uh, with Chinese New Year versus uh, Lunar New Year. Is do you know of any? Yes, there is. Um, the the Lunar New Year is a generic term because many South Asian countries celebrate, uh, 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 you know, whether it's Korea, Japan, or, or, or Malaysia, or, or so different countries celebrate. For example, Vietnam. Uh, they don't call it the year of the rabbit. Uh, they have the year of the cat. So mm. for all the cat lovers, this is your year. Uh, wow. Yes. Congratulations, Sean. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so there are slight variations among, but the, 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 the overall theme is still the same, which is the, you know, is the combination of Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. And what year is uh, it? Uh, this is the year of the rabbit, technically. Is there a number? Yes, there is a number, but you're testing my Alzheimer's test. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand. I know because, you know, we, we did a lot of studying that the Chinese civilization is um, maybe over 10,000 years old. Is, is, am I correct? Yes. Uh, is there even more than that? Uh, there have been artifacts uh, found that are even older than that. So, uh, you know, the exact history is even, I think, is beyond most scholars yet because we are having new archaeological finds that clearly there may be something beyond those years. So, you What's know, the oldest also, number you've heard so far? The older, obviously, the fossil dates back 24, 000, uh, 24 million years ago. So, from the, between twenty four million to to uh, you know, obviously that, that's not a, a human fossil. But obviously, uh, the I think the uh, the uh, as as if you go to the Museum of Natural History, you know, the human civilization is just uh, in a thin uh, slice of hair. Uh, yes. And so we uh, we are we, a mere we blip. We got a minute exactly. or two left. Uh, Tell us uh, about this hate crimes and how mad is the, is the Chinese people, the Asian people uh, in your community? Yeah, and I, I'm seeing there are a lot more Asian and Chinese candidates running for office, and I'm wondering if that's going to continue. You know, the, the, the community has really seemed to woken up and rising up and really wants to become part of the solution. Are you seeing that as well? And Do you, do you, do you think, think you're going to be more running in the city council elections coming up this year? 
Well, I, I think there's a lot of candidates that are already running. And so with the new, uh, the Brooklyn, if you're referring to the Brooklyn district, especially referring to the population growth in the, yeah. in the, in the Brooklyn area. Yeah. But uh, in general, uh, the anti-Asian sentiment is being felt. Uh, and obviously that uh, raises the uh, anxiety and the, uh, the level. But, uh, but it's also a, a, a set commentary that the year barely began in 21 days yeah. and we have 33 mass shootings right and so yeah. today is up to 36 already so you know the old adage about an apple a day this is outpacing us uh, at this rate the, the war of attrition is not uh, going well for us well, so th- i think that yeah go ahead no i was to say th- thank you wellington and uh, we're going to yeah. be celebrating here at wabc uh lunar yeah. new year chinese new yeah. year uh, yeah. And maybe we should bring a cat in for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we got the one. It's not bad. The, the, the bunnies are adorable and they're fuzzy. They they like to hop around and yes. uh, so and they represent peace. And so oh. I can you know. They're very docile. The and we need that peace. Yes, we need peace. We, yes, need peace. we do need that. Yes. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Elmo. and I hope you help us participate uh, uh, with us on Thursday and help celebrate with us. Yes, there's a schedule conflict, but I'll try my best. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye -bye. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, Peter. Great to be with you all. Thanks for having me. Happy that you're with us. So your New York Times bestseller is called Red Handed, and you're, you know, just to summarize very quickly, you talk about U.S. elites kind of in bed with the Chinese Communist government for personal benefit. Uh, this seems to tie in pretty closely with what we're seeing with those Biden documents, or maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Is there some kind of connection between these two narratives? Uh, there possibly could be, uh, and I think that's why it needs further investigation. I mean, look, here, here's what we know. Beijing has a strategy called the elite capture. It's pretty shrewd. It basically says, hey— In order to advance our interests, we're going to seek financial relationships with political elites in other countries, including the United States. They did that with the Biden family. They've done it with other people. Hmm. In the case of the Bidens, what we know, this is based on the laptop and on the U.S. Treasury Department's suspicious activity reports that were released by the Senate. We know that the Biden family, meaning Hunter Biden, his son, Joe Biden's son, and James Biden, his brother, received some $31 million from four Chinese businessmen. Those businessmen are named in the laptop. And when you look at those businessmen and you look at uh, sources on mainland China and documents in Hong Kong, you find that those four men all have ties to Chinese intelligence. And there's no evidence that the Bidens performed any legitimate services, meaning you know, any kind of professional advice or guidance. They didn't bring any capital to the table in any business deals. So the question has to be asked, what did they do for that money? Uh, I don't believe these Chinese businessmen were operating as philanthropists. Mm. And that's where the new news about the documents certainly means uh, we need to figure out who had access to those documents, why they were there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Congressman Garbarino is here, and during the break, he she, we're talking about the new select committee in the Congress on the Chinese Communist Party. So, Andrew, this is prob- you're probably listening with your ears wide open to what Peter is saying. Oh, absolutely, and and not just that, but uh, Chairman uh, Jamie Comer, who's the chair of oversight, has already said uh, there's going to be a lot of questions that the Bidens have to answer, specifically with a lot of these payments 
uh, and and the ties to uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, but the the select committee, which was a a huge bipartisan win for uh, Speaker McCarthy, over a hundred Democrats voted in in the creation of the select committee. So truly uh, bipartisan. Truly bipartisan, uh, not just through not reform, just, not just through bullying. Yep. Uh, so I, we're gonna, you know, there's gonna be a lot of questions. Uh, chairman Mike uh, Gallagher from Wisconsin is is going to be the chairman of the committee, and uh, it's going to be a heavily uh, heavy focus on uh, a lot of issues dealing with the the not just it's not just about China, it's about the Chinese uh, Communist Party. Right. And the other interesting thing is with the special counsel being appointed to investigate the documents, the Biden documents, and the linkage to the U.S. attorney in Delaware, they should be sharing information because this is not just about the brother or the son. This implicates the uh, the president of the United States, and they should be sharing information and joint venturing the, these investigations. So, Peter King, do you wish you were down in Washington right now to get your uh, your— well, Andrew, hands on all of this stuff. Andrew took my place. He's doing a great job. So I'll leave it at that. Now he's doing a great job. No, but I think uh, if, if for too long both parties looked the other way in China. Republicans thought there's great econ- economic opportunity to be dealing with China. Democrats, for whatever reason, have been really stifling any type of debate on China, whether it involves COVID, whether it involves subversion, whether it involves uh, uh, hacking into our infrastructure. And also, listen, there's a lot of more and more. I mean, when you think of it, if there was another pandemic. So much of our pharmaceuticals still come from China. So it's the PVP still comes from China. So it's about time, I think, that we have this coordinated effort, and I'm hoping the select committee will focus so much on China. And also, not forgetting, there are threats to Taiwan, there are threats to the uh, Far East, and ultimately to the world. What about electric cars? All the the natural resources necessary to make the batteries for electric cars are coming coming out of China. They control it. So while the Green New Deal is pushing for electric cars and electric cars. Let's listen to Mr. Schweitzer. Let's see what he has to say. No, I think I think everybody is correct. Uh, And I think just to show uh, the extent to which, uh, you know, there is uh, a fear or a desire to avoid uh, dealing with China. Look at the issue of COVID-19. The COVID-19 broke out, as we all now know, in early 2020. Uh, We have not had a single congressional hearing on the origins of COVID. This is a disease that's, you know, killed, what, a million people, shut down our economy, uh, destroyed a lot of small businesses. We did not, for two years, have a single congressional hearing on the origins of COVID. Um, The Republicans now, in control of the House, have said they're going to do so, which I think is terrific. But this is a big problem, and I think it's a problem with this president. Uh, Because, look, the the way that corruption works, uh, it's not always, oftentimes it's not. Uh, the political figure who's corrupt that takes the money themselves, it's a family member, for example, uh, that collects the money. And there is no discernible reason why these businessmen in China who, you know, one gentleman, for example, that uh, that set up a deal for Hunter Biden that, that netted Hunter roughly $20 million, at the same time he was doing that favor for Hunter Biden, he was business partners with the vice minister for state security in China, a guy named Jia Ming, who is the, who was head of the foreign intelligence operations of China, which is recruiting foreign nationals to spy to China. So this is absolutely about Joe, Joe Biden, and it's about self-enrichment, and we need to get to the bottom of it. So when you write a book like this, Peter, I, I got to think the paper trail is really hard to follow, getting the documents, getting the information. And I got you, you probably have to have a bulletin board like uh, Claire Danes did in Homeland just to keep track of the relationships <laughs> and the connections. How do, how do you tackle such a task? 
Oh, it's a great question. All the sourcing in my books um, are all open source, means mm. that, you know, I don't assert any kind of relationship. I don't use anonymous resources. It's all based on documents. In the case of the Biden family's deals in China, we actually have uh, Hunter Biden to thank. Um, we mm. first reported on this in 2018. Hunter Biden um, went to China in early 2011 while his father was vice president. So he had set up 18 months earlier a new financial consultancy called Rosemont Seneca. He had no background in finance. When his father was appointed by Barack Obama as the point person on China policy, Hunter Biden went to China and he met with the equivalent. If somebody had come uh, you know, to the United States with the head of the Federal Reserve, the Treasury Secretary, the head of Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, you name it. He met with 11 of the top Chinese financial officials, and that was actually reported on a Chinese language blog with pictures. And that opened up the trail for us to look at what sort of companies and investment deals he was involved in, uh, the, the people that he was doing business with. And then, of course, when the Hunter Biden laptop uh, you know, became uh, uh, public, we were able to trace the knowledge we already have and add further details. So everything that I'm saying is not based on anonymous sources or an assertion. Mm -hmm. It's all based on a on a, a piece of paper that accurately reports what's going on. Peter Schweizer, thank you so much. If you're interested in more, the book is called Red Handed, and it's already a bestseller. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Steve, welcome. Hi, Laura. Hi, John. Great to be with you. And you're also with the judge and Congressman Peter King. We can call him Congressman whole, now that the other... The whole team there today. <laughs> you got the, hey, you got Steve, the how you doing? So, <laughs> Steve, we have, a, we have a burning question for you. There's been yeah. clutter, noise in the air for months uh, that Biden, President Biden, is mulling an executive order on crypto on regulating crypto. Have you heard that? Is it true? Nationalizing, having a national currency crypto. What do you know about that? Uh, there's a lot of talk about it in Washington. It's still in the formative mm -hmm. stages. You know, my attitude about cryptos is, you know, I'm kind of a laissez-faire guy, John. You know, if people want to invest in cryptos, I think they have uh, the right to do so. I think, you know, having a... Barman Bailey said, there's a sucker born every day. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And to take him. That's true, but you know you have a, a right in this country to be a sucker, and I don't want to see a massive new regulation. Yeah, a lot of people were made made offed, a lot of people were FTXed, and a lot of people uh, have been. Uh, let's see what happens with Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, look, I know a lot of people have made a lot of money on Bitcoin, and I know a lot of people have lost a lot of money on Bitcoin. It is the uh, free market. You could say the same thing right. about casinos. Well, good point. Good point. We're going to make those illegal, too. So I, I'm very skeptical of that. Uh, look, mm. I think the most important thing we've got to do right now is bring continue to bring inflation down. And the way we need to do that is to take a chainsaw out of this massive 
increase in government spending that we've seen where the government just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. We're going to run a trillion and a half dollars. Ready for this, guys? A trillion and a half dollar uh you know, deficit in 2023. By the way, you know, Peter, do you, you know, could you ever imagine we would run deficits this large? No, this is totally, totally out of control. You know, we've always said the deficits are out of control, but this is, this is for real. This is, uh, yeah. and somewhere, but, you I know, mean, uh, John and I and Laura were talking about this before. Deficits are real. There's a real crisis there, but the average American doesn't seem to care about it. And the idea is the average focus American, out of 330 million Americans, yeah. 30 million care, 300 million, don't give a crap. Yeah, but you know what they're going to, when they're going to really care? You know what the single biggest expenditure item is going to be in our budget in the next few years? Interest. Interest on the debt. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> for the, so how are we going to pay, John, for our military? How are we going to pay for our health care? How are we going to pay for our Social Security? How are we going to pay for our roads? If that's why the, the, that's why the smart people had, that's why the smart people had 0% interest. I assume yep, you're yep. counting yourself in that group of smart people, John. I took advantage of it. <laughs> well, John's one of the great inv- investment advisors of all time, but I don't know. I just I'm sickened by it, and I do hope that the, that these Republicans, you know, take a hard stand. We cannot go forward with, uh, you know, running. Uh, our debt up this way. I love how Biden's taking a victory lap. He said, well, have you seen this? He said, we're going to only borrow $1.5 trillion this year, which is a huge improvement over last year when we borrowed $2.5 trillion, Mm. the two largest years ever. And, you know, he's acting as if he's kind of a fiscal savior. But I'm here to tell you, I am very nervous about this. You know, I was just looking this morning, guys, at the leading economic indicators that came out this morning. They're all pointing south right now. Now, I still think we could, you know, avoid a recession. I'd love your guys' opinion on this. But I right am going to tell you the easiest. The, the, right now, with the Federal Reserve keep in, raising interest rates, and I've been yeah. against it because uh, if you have a home with 3% yeah. in, uh, interest rate, why would you sell your home with a 3% interest rate to buy a, another home and pay 6% or 7%? Yeah. yeah well, but, that when it, but, John, if we don't do that, how are we going to stop the inflation? How do you stop the inflation? Opening up the spigots and having oil. That's how you stop I it. I love that. We you talked and, and, and today, here. I think the White House said it, that inflation was not uh, uh, President Biden's uh, doing. Oh. Yeah, right. Except, you know what? You know why that's not true? You guys know what the inflation rate was the month that Trump We know, we know. 1.5%. Then it went up to 9.1% in 18 months. I wonder if that was just a coincidence. And, Steve, you also wrote that, you know, wages are down uh, below mm-hmm. inflation. And when we talk about do people care, they care when it affect, when these sorts of things exactly. affect their lives. Thank you. And by the way, I'm so honored. I think you got that from our hotline that we put out every morning. I want to make sure everybody goes to Committee to Unleash Prosperity. We website. read it like the Bible. And I want them also to tune in this Saturday because I will be back. I was on a cruise for six days with Steve Forbes, uh, but I am back in action, so I'll be on the air. I hope you got paid. This Saturday. I hope you got paid, and I hope you didn't get seasick. And because you weren't there on Saturday, your ratings were crap. Oh, I'll be back on this Saturday, I promise. Yeah, no, it's the highlight of my week. And, and uh, you know, I, by the way, John, I want to have you I want to have you and Peter on this weekend, and we can talk about this more. Because this debt, I mean, you know, Peter, you were in Congress a number of years. We did a lot to try to bring down the debt. And all of a sudden, it's just gone through the roof like we've never been seen before in the history of this country. 
No, I mean, the debt's getting higher than it was after World War II, for goodness sakes. Steve, I agree with you completely. And uh, even like during the Reagan years, when the debt was going up, the fact is the gross national product was going up dramatically. So as a percentage of the uh, – you know, it would come out of the recession, and as a percentage of overall uh, debt, it's basically stayed the same. So there's no increase on the, uh, the percentage. So, no, this is uh, – and, and by the way, the other thing that's different from now from then is guess who's buying up all our debt right now? Yeah. You know, China. You know, do we want our kids to owe the Chinese kids all this money? Happy Chinese New Year. <laughs> you got it, John. <laughs> well put. That's the theme of our show, I think, that's tonight. That's the theme of that's our the show. Thread Look, that's running through every the thread that's running through every segment. People. Uh, you know, let me tell you something how I feel about the Chinese. I think they're, they're very hardworking people. Are there, are there a few desperados among the Chinese uh, members of the Communist Party? For sure. Probably for sure. But. Yeah, you know, right now, if you try, government. if you try to build a railroad, a high-speed railroad in the United States, fat chance you're going to get it done. If they want to build it in China, they'll have it built in six months. Yeah. By the way, John, build a build a, a high-speed railroad. We can't even re- build roads in this country because of all these. You know, uh, you got to get permits for this and that. And the administration isn't giving out virtually any permits for any. I think we should project. we should compete better with the rest of the world instead of not getting anything accomplished. Instead of with climate control, I respect the climate, but we shouldn't have two hands tied behind our back when the rest of the world is is moving at warp speed and we're we're moving nowhere fast. Central well, planning. This is why, this is, it's all about yeah, central why, planning. That's why you're my presidential candidate for 2020. Thank you. I, I, I got to find a place. He's to announcing get, tonight. I know I have to find a place to get a better uh, uh, birth certificate. That's right. Because <laughs> I was my father was a little bit late bringing me to America. Uh, Steve Moore, thank you very much. I look forward to your Saturday show. So you'll get your ratings back up again. I will be back at 1 p.m. for more money. Okay, well, between one and two o'clock on Saturdays. Thank you. More money. Steve Moore, one of the leading country's economists. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're going to one of the top doctors in our country that tells us how to live longer. We have Dr. Peter Mihalos. The doctor with the great bedside manner. Welcome to the show, doctor. I don't know about his bedside matter. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, the great news is that in America, we are moving at warp speed with um, medical discoveries. And uh, <laughs> the, the recent one that just came out in science, um, sorry, I have a little bit of a sore throat today. Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> when tumors are excised, there's a concern that the margins or the edges are free of tumors. And at the University of Pennsylvania, they basically mix a uh, gel that stops bleeding with these uh, T-killer cells called CAR T-cells. And they found that the edges of the tumors did not grow back in uh, 19 of 20 mice that they did in a study. And they also mm. did it at the uh, University of North Carolina. With the- Is it for all cancers or just a few? They've only tested it in uh, animals so far in uh, brain tumors, the glioblastoma, which is a big deal at the University of North Carolina, and then at the University of Pennsylvania with abdominal tumors. And it's going to be started now, the testing on uh, breast cancer in humans. So basically, when you remove a tumor, 
you think you have it all, but you're not sure. So they have these uh, T killer cells and they mix it in a gel that's currently available used to stop bleeding during surgery. So it basically adheres like a tissue glue Hmm. and you put it in the cavity where you remove the tumor. So picture in the future, they'll take out a brain tumor in the brain. They think they got most of it out. Then they'll put this gel in and then the recurrence rate will be dramatically reduced. So this is a major advance happening. Thank goodness to a, American ingenuity, pharmaceutical companies, and people willing to risk their capital. Doctor, this is, this is Pete King. Is it, uh, yes, just imagination, it just seems the last few years, it's, it's a rapid development in so many new type of pharmaceuticals, medicines. Does it just appear the way, or is that the case? A lot of it has to do with uh, a fellow named uh, Craig Venter, who basically uh, figured out the whole entire genome project. So now we can figure out exactly the genetic surface proteins on a lot of things and understand what they're actually made of on a DNA level. Just like in the old days, if you had bad diarrhea, they'd send you for a culture. Now, you better get the, you, you better go to the right doctor and get something for your throat. No, I, I just have a little sore throat. But uh, 140,000 viruses, for example, have been found in the intestine for uh, bacteria now that we know exactly what's in our gut microbiome and we understand better how it works. So because of that ability to know genetically what's going on, we could even certain genetic diseases. And we're going to be hearing about CRISPR and gene editing. And we're going to be able to cure a lot of diseases in the next uh, in the next uh, decade. So a lot of exciting news that's uh, occurring and also a byproduct of a lot of what's happened during COVID. There was a lot of research and development money and there'll be other advances coming out out of all of this so it's a very exciting time and i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with this uh medicine with the car t-cell therapy for brain tumors and pancreatic cancer and breast cancer wow the, big guy one uh, last question uh dr mihalos japan has downgraded all uh all the uh Flu into flu. I mean, all the uh, COVID, and it's just calling them common flu now. Are they doing the right thing? Well, as we said two two years ago on WABC, if historically, like in the flu pandemics, they learn to become more contagious but less deadly because eventually the viruses learn that they can't keep killing their human hotel host. Mm -hmm. So all viruses eventually learn to coexist with us. That's why, as I said before, we have 140,000 viruses that coexist and live in our intestine. They were once infections, but eventually they want to really coexist with us because they need a body. They need a hotel. They need a live body. Uh, So are you saying it's 140 different types? 140,000. Different types or just total? What what, would say you? Different types. Wow. Well, I have to say, you're... You might have a virus that digests uh, bacon, for instance. Right, exactly. Dr. Mikolos, the uh, world is getting crazy, but at least human ingenuity is still on the and march and what curing do we stand people. For, Laura? What do we stand for? We stand for truth, truth justice, and, and the American way. way. God bless America, and we need help in America, so we hope God blesses us. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.